This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance, now available at my blog, https colon double slash zelma dot com slash blog. Today we're going to talk about the right to independent counsel and the Kumis Doctrine. In California and most states, if an insurer provides a defense to an insured under a reservation of rights based on possible lack of coverage, the insurer must pay the reasonable cost of hiring independent counsel selected by the insured. This was first stated in San Diego Federal Credit Union versus the Kumis Society and has long been known as the Kumis Doctrine. Kumis is representative of a growing body of case law that gives the insured an absolute right to choose independent counsel where conflict exists. However, for example, Finley versus Home Insurance Company, the Supreme Court of Hawaii refused to adopt the Kumis Doctrine and furnishes the exception that proves the rule. Since Kumis, courts have refused to require the insurer to pay independent counsel's fees where the resolution of the third-party claim would not affect the coverage dispute. In Bus versus the Superior Court, the California Supreme Court dealt with the need to determine who is unjustly enriched if independent counsel representing the insured but compensated by the insurer are allowed to retain payments that were unreasonable and unnecessary for the insured's defense against any claim. The court in Bus concluded that on the assumption that counsel's fees were excessive and unnecessary and were not incurred for the benefit of the insured, it is counsel who should owe restitution of the excess payments received. The Kumis case also allowed for abuse by the unscrupulous. Recent legislation in California has provided insurers with tools to control such abuse. Recent decisions have also limited the applicability of the Kumis doctrine. While Kumis is often discussed as though it were a groundbreaking case, it is more important for having made the key concept common knowledge rather than for having developed a new rule of law. As the Kumis court itself noted, quote, It has long been the law in this state that when a conflict develops, the insurer cannot compel the insured to surrender control of the litigation and must, if necessary, secure independent counsel for the insured. And as was explained in Previews, Inc. v. California Union in 1981, the insurer's obligation to defend after the appearance of a conflict extends to paying the reasonable value of legal services and costs performed by independent counsel selected by the insured. Close quote. In an Ohio case, 
the court characterized the issue as follows, quote, an insurer's reservation of rights is important because insurers often find themselves in positions that might create a conflict of interest. In some circumstances, an insurer might believe that its insured's conduct constitutes excluded conduct under an insurance policy. Hence, it may be to the insurer's financial advantage to see that the conduct is excluded, thus precluding indemnification. This constitutes a potential, though not necessarily actual, conflict of interest. Under such circumstances, the insurer is obligated to defend the action, but reserve its rights to indemnification. This way, the client can make a knowing choice whether to proceed with a representation and the possible conflict or obtain independent counsel. Close quote. Under the Kumis scheme, two sets of counsel represent the insured. Kumis counsel, who represents only the insured, and defense counsel, who represents both the insurer and the insured. In State Farm v. Pildner, the Supreme Court of Ohio considered a case in which a State Farm policyholder fired a rifle and injured another person. The policyholder was convicted of shooting with intent to wound and imprisoned for that offense. When sued in negligence by the victim of the shooting, the policyholder tendered the case to State Farm. The High Court held that State Farm had a duty to defend the policyholder. This curious holding was later reversed in Preferred Risk Insurance v. Gill, a 1987 case. But Pildner continues to be cited, not for the majority opinion, but for the concurring opinion of Chief Justice William O'Neill, who focused on the ethical obligations of the attorney under Canon 5 of the American Bar Association's Rules of Professional Conduct. Chief Justice O'Neill asserted that there was an undeniable conflict between the insurer and the policyholder because the insurer was alleging there was no coverage because of the intentional conduct of the policyholder, but the policyholder desired to show that his liability was based on negligent conduct covered by the policy. The Kumis decision has broad application in California and with various limitations in other states. In recognition of the conflict of interest, most jurisdictions have consistently held that in the absence of an insured's informed consent to the conflict of interest and waiver of that conflict, where there are divergent interests of the insured and the insurer brought about by the insurer's reservation of rights, based on possible non-coverage under the insurance policy, the insurer must pay the reasonable cost for hiring independent counsel by the insured. In New York, in cases where a conflict of interest between the insurer and the insured is probable, the insured is entitled to defense by an attorney of his or her own choosing, 
whose reasonable fee is to be paid by the insurer. Such a conflict of interest is likely in New York, where the insurer has conditioned its defense on a reservation of rights. The amount of fees payable differs from that in California, which limits the amount available to independent counsel by statute. It equates to all reasonable fee fees in the underlying action. If a de defense will be provided subject to a reservation of rights, the adjuster or claims management should have coverage counsel assist in preparing the reservation of rights letter, ensuring that the reservation includes the ability to recover defense costs and the cost of any settlements if it is later learned there is no coverage for defense or indemnity. To comply with the requirement for independent counsel, one, in all cases, the insurer and any retained counsel should be sensitive to potential or actual conflicts. Two, at the outset of the suit, the insurer should ascertain if there is a true conflict or not. Three, if there is no actual conflict, the insurer should be able to assign counsel of its choosing. Four, in cases where there is a true conflict, the insurer should advise the insured of the right to independent counsel. However, if the insured does not want independent counsel, the insurer should obtain the policyholder's approval to counsel of the insurer's choice and have the policyholder sign a waiver of any potential conflict. 5. Where circumstances dictate, an insurer may choose to promptly settle a claim or suit to avoid any conflict issues or need to appoint independent counsel. 6. The insurer may, but is not compelled to, allow the policyholder to choose counsel in a case where the covered claim is insignificant as compared to the non-covered claims. And 7. It is prudent in most states to allow the policyholder to choose counsel if nearly all of the risk falls on the policyholder. For example, in Howell v. Richardson, the Supreme Court of Ohio held that the policyholder was sued for negligently and intentionally shooting the plaintiff. A finding of negligence at trial bound the insurer. The court explained that in Ohio, an insurer must intervene at trial to protect its interest and argue that the policyholder acted intentionally because the liability finding of the trier of fact may not be relitigated in a supplemental proceeding. In most states, an insurer should never, never interpose itself into a lawsuit and has no right to do so because of the prejudice to the insured if the jury learns insurance is available. The problems created by the Kumis decision have been handled differently in different states. Most have limited the application of the right to independent counsel by case law. Others have relied on the ability of the insurer to rewrite the policy wording. The majority of states have simply refused to adopt California's Kumis doctrine. The Kumis doctrine is not without limit. Not every reservation of rights requires independent counsel. 
One court of appeal held that even if a liability insurer's denial of coverage for punitive damages in an underlying defamation action against the insured could be construed as a reservation of rights, since the insurer remained liable for any compensatory damages which might be awarded, there was no conflict of interest requiring the insurer to furnish independent counsel to represent the insured. In Sentex Homes versus St. Paul, the California Court of Appeal was pre presented to a dispute that arises out of a construction defect between certain homeowners and Sentex, the developer of the homes. St. Paul was an insurer for a subcontractor, Adland Venture and agreed to defend Sentex as an additional insured subject to a reservation of rights. Sentex filed a cross-complaint against its subcontractors in St. Paul that sought as the seventh cause of action a declaration that Sentex was entitled to independent counsel because of St. Paul's reservation of rights that created a significant conflict of interest. Generally, an insurer owing a duty to defend an insured arising because there exists a potential for liability under the policy has the right to control defense, and settlement of the third-party action against its insured, and is a direct participant in the litigation. The insurer typically hires defense counsel who represents the interest of both the insurer and the insured. Not every reservation of rights entitles an insured to select independent counsel. Whether independent counsel is required depends on the nature of the coverage issue as it relates to issues in the underlying case. There must be evidence that the outcome of the coverage issue can be controlled by counsel first retained by the insurer for the defense of the underlying claim. It is only when the basis for the reservation of rights is such as to cause assertion of factual or legal theories which undermine or are contrary to the positions to be asserted in the liability case that a conflict of interest sufficient to require independent counsel to be chosen by the insured will arise. Where the reservation of rights is based on coverage disputes which have nothing to do with the issues being litigated in the underlying action, there is no conflict of interest requiring independent counsel. The mere possibility of an unspecified conflict does not require independent counsel. The conflict must be significant, not merely theoretical. The conflict must be actual, not merely potential. There is also a need for insurers to have the ability to restrain the actions of independent counsel. This was first dealt with in a case called Center Foundation versus Chicago Insurance Company where Chicago Insurance insured the Center for Feeling Therapy, a group of psychologists and therapists under an errors and omissions policy. 
a number of patients filed malpractice action against the center and its therapists. They also alleged psychological coercion by the center's principals to compel them to donate their services and money to the center. The insureds hired independent counsel to represent them in the malpractice action. Chicago objected to the law firm selected by the center, citing conflicts of interest in the firm's inexperience in the field of malpractice defense. Over Chicago's objection, their chosen counsel continued to represent the center, billing $3.12 million in fees. When Chicago refused to pay the fees, the center filed a bad faith suit. At trial, Chicago presented evidence in support of its claim that the independent counsel had conflicts of interest that endangered the defense and established that the attorneys lacked sufficient experience to handle the malpractice defense. The two attorneys assigned to the case had never tried a malpractice case. One had never taken depositions in any action. Counsel billed 1,129 and a half hours for one summary judgment motion described by one of Chicago's expert witnesses as a hopeless, hopeless waste of time. The total bill for the wasted motion was $180,000. The expert further testified that it was inconceivable that there weren't disputes as to issues of fact. Evidence also established other billing irregularities. For example, 263 hours billed to prepare a witness for a deposition. Attorneys newly admitted to the bar and paralegals billed at rates charged by senior attorneys, and more than 24 hours a day were billed for a single attorney. The same attorney billed 78 hours over a four-day period. Independent counsel's bills were described by several witnesses as unconscionable, unreasonable, utterly inconceivable, absolutely outrageous, and way out of bounds. Nevertheless, the trial court found that the insured had a absolute right to select whomever it wanted as independent counsel, even if they couldn't find the courthouse door. The trial court relied on Smith versus Superior Court, which held that in a criminal case, a trial judge may not, over the objection of the defendant and his attorney, remove the attorney on grounds of incompetency based on ignorance of the law. On appeal, the Center Foundation trial judgment was reversed, and the court found that it was and still is the law, that the covenants of good faith and fair dealing implied by law to exist in every insurance contract are binding upon both parties, the insured as well as the insurer and that the billing irregularities could not be allowed to continue. This video was 
adapted from my book, Zelma on Insurance Claims, Part 108, Second Edition, which is available from Amazon.com as part of the 10-volume Zelma on Insurance Claims, as both a Kindle book and as a paperback. If you found this video interesting and useful to you, you may want to purchase the book for more detail, and I would appreciate it if you refer this video to your colleagues who might find it of interest. It is available always on my blog as a blog post and a video and can be found easily. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to call me or write me an email at zelma at zelma .com. Thank you for your attention.